welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. We are in the midst of early signing period, Robbie. How are you feeling? Um, I love I love the early signing period. I'm a big fan of it. I know there's mixed debate amongst everybody on it, but I think it's a good move. It allows people to get it off their shoulders, make their pick, get on with it, and be done. And I don't really care about the coaches and whether they are busy and they can't get on the road and they're worried about whether they're getting paid four or five million dollars a year and have to get on a plane to yeah. go recruit some somebody. No, I don't really care that much. Sorry. That's always no, the talk never. now is that they're so busy because they got bowl prep, they got recruiting, they got the early signing period. And yeah, there, there's not much sympathy when they're making three, four, five, six million dollars. There's a a zero sympathy, <laughs> zero sympathy. Why don't you give us a cheers and get us kicked off? Yeah, well, we'll just get into it. So how about, since we're recording it tonight, we'll just do a cheers to uh, our new our new signees, the kids that committed. 19, I think we are at, if we have our numbers correct. And there may be movement. It's going to be very minimal between now and the official signing day that happens, um, if uh, all holds true. But uh, So we pretty much know who our class is, and... You know, screw it. I think uh, I just want to give a cheers to the new Hokies and forget football for a moment. We just got new kids on uh, that are coming to campus that I'm excited about. And we're Virginia Tech uh, through and through. So cheers to them. Cheers. <clears throat> we said this last year that the early signing period really benefits the non-Blue Bloods, in my opinion, because you don't have the Nick Sabans and the James Franklins coming in at the last minute and stealing a guy that's been rising all season. You know, he, he sticks with tech, like a guy like Keyshawn King, for example, started to really blow up and he got his fourth star and schools were coming after him and he stayed with tech. If this went on another month, <laughs> month and a half, I wouldn't feel nearly as com- comfortable about keeping some of these guys that are our higher recruits. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's a tough, uh, yeah, it's a tough thing to approach because when you think of it, it's like, well, maybe they would have ended up at the school that they wanted to be at or should have been at or could have been at yeah. or whatever the case may be. But uh, I think it was pretty interesting. I was listening to Sirius XM and they had somebody on this, like an old school dude. And he was just like, that's not what it's about. He's like, nowadays you get visibility, whether you're at Mem- Memphis or Alabama, you maybe get, you may get trained a little bit better or whatever, but to say that you have no shot at whatever dream you have based on your talent and ability and what you can learn because you went to Memphis versus Alabama, it's just it's just not true. Like the elite players at Memphis are going to rise to the top and still get their chance. I think if if a guy chooses a school and he stays with that school for a long time and then he flips at the last minute, well, was he supposed to be at the first place or second place? It's hard to say. But I think on the football side of things – for where Virginia Tech sits in the landscape of college football and the Michigan States and the Iowas and stuff, it's always better to uh, to have the early signing period for us. We're going to talk about the kids who made the right decision a little bit later with uh, our special guest, Matei Sis, who joined us. It was a really good interview, and uh, we're going to play that for you in a minute. But first, we want to get through the news and notes. And first thing I had was Hokie Hoops beat Washington. This was a game that we had 
you know, marked on our schedules of a good test, a neutral site game down in Atlantic City, and Tech won 73 to 61. They were up 18 and a half. Uh, it was similar to last year in the way we kind of just we took it to them and, and beat them somewhat easily, even though they're a top 75, top 50 team, depending on where you look. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, great again, 24 points in 26 minutes, three ba- three rebounds, three assists, two steals, and he's been moving up into the teens in all the latest mock drafts. I, I personally think he'll he'll be a lottery pick. He gone. <laughs> yes i know I, I always do that but you know that's, he is but gone. it's true he's gone uh but you know like it, this that'll be a good thing to, though i well yeah that's what we always talk about is there's like there's this whole weird like dichotomy between we want these people to stay with us but then we also want tremaine and terrell to be the two first brothers to be first round draft picks in the same class ever yeah you, know, you know what i mean like it goes, it cuts both ways that we want people to stay for him at where our basketball program is. We want him to go that like, and that's my thought, you know, like you, you're, you're much more educated, but on basketball or Virginia tech basketball, but that would be a boon for us for him to go in that sort of kind of ranking and what's happening. Like, absolutely. It would, it may hurt the team and it would like, you know, we would be rebuilding a little bit, but I mean, that would be awesome, and he deserves it. Quite frankly, if he's you been can fantastic. Tell, yeah, if you can tell kids that you know come to Virginia Tech because we can put someone in the NBA lottery, which is the top fourteen picks. Those are the teams that don't make the playoffs. That's called the lottery. For those that don't know, if you go in the top fourteen picks, you can say we put we put a lottery pick in the draft, so we can get you there. That this is no longer a place that you have to worry about whether you could or could not get drafted. Like. The ceiling is now drafted in the lottery. If 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 he can do it, if he doesn't go, if he is a first round pick, you can say that. You know, we can put you in the first round of the NBA draft. We did it with a sophomore. Like you could be one and done at Virginia Tech. We want the most talented kids to come here. And so, if he stays, it's going to be good for our team next year. If he leaves, it'll be good for our recruiting going forward. So it, it, you're not going to lose. Yeah. And I, you know, that's, it's just really exciting for him. I mean, he's been extremely productive. We'll see what happens there. This team has lost all of their games by a collective one point. Um, so, and that was against Penn state and they still could have pulled that one out. And their top four in BPI, I think is what the crazy stat was that came out in top 10 in Ken Palm. Yeah. It's it's crazy. I, I don't know if you agree with this, but it's my thought process. When we hit ACC full on ACC play, we're going to lose a couple and there's going to be a huge backlash of like, Oh, what happened? Just remember that, you know, we may only play. I know you had, uh, had some, had some conversation about this. We only, may only play some of these teams once, not twice, but the ACC literally is suffocating the top 10 right now in terms of like, you know, people's rankings and what they're producing. There's a lot of good teams. We're going to lose games. It's hard to absorb it the same way uh, that I do football, but I've had to come accustomed. You've pulled me over to the dark side where I have to accept losses in basketball, even though in football, when you lose the world is over. Yeah. It's, it's tough because you will have these frustrating, frustrating games like the Penn State game, and you just kind of have to say, like, you're not going to have it every night, on the road especially. 
And I, what I did tweet out and what you're probably referring to is that we only have two chances in Castle against ranked teams in the, AC, in the ACC play. It's Duke and Virginia. Those are the only two ranked teams in the ACC, of which there are five, but we are one of them, that are coming to Castle for games. And so if you want a better seed, you have to beat ranked teams. You have to beat good teams. Now, NC State's a good team. Louisville's a good team. They're not ranked. And, and so you'll have chances. But the NC State game, that's on the road too. So th- we don't have a lot of opportunities for fantastic high-end wins at home. We just don't. Uh, I, I, but I would add one more thing to this, and I think it actually bridges your opinion with everybody else. And that's that you, me, and a lot of people that we've talked to offline when we text agree that it shouldn't be top 25 in basketball. No. That's the stupidest metric ever. Now, if you expand it to top 50 or top even, I think you could even go as high as top 75 in basketball, given how many, how many teams out there are like, productive good well and then then you're talking about the ap top 25 and that's what i'm referring to as well fortunately the new net ranking will take into account top 50 wins according to their ranking which we're not privy to everything that goes into that ranking but it's going to be more like a ken palm closer it's not going to be exactly like it uh it's going to be way better than rpi and they'll do Q1, Q2 win. So in that respect, yeah, top 50. We'll play some top 50 teams at home that aren't currently ranked, but not very many. And 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 the ranked games are the ones that people will be watching and caring about and, and will have a big effect on the committee. I mean, if we beat Duke, I mean, that's like worth three spots for your seed. Like that's a that would be a massive massive win. We beat UVA every year now, so and that might not happen. Oh, uh, we no. do. We split with them every year. But we but don't need jinxing. I I know. I know. Knocking on wood. Knocking on wood. But uh, Duke. You know the three top guys in the draft. It's Duke, and we get to play them at home. And so all eyes will be on tech that night. And I I cannot wait for that game. It's not till like February, but I can't wait for that game. If people are tweeting at you, then it probably means then they listen to this. So let's just put it this way. Pete is extremely happy with the basketball team. Yes. Everybody is extremely happy. We are pulling hairs at this point of, of how happy we should be. Um, so I don't, I, I think it's, uh, I don't want it to be lost on anybody how exciting this team is and how well they've been playing and how damn good this defense has been in terms of just shutting people down and like, and then also still putting up good points. So I've been excited. It's been fun. I've been watching every game because I'm just having a blast. Yeah. And we won tonight too. We played NC and T and we won 82 to 60. Nikhil Alexander Walker had 20 points this time, three rebounds, three assists, four steals, and a block. He's he's just killing it. Obviously, I think NC- that's his sixth twenty point game. <laughs> yeah, he, he NCA and T isn't very good, but I don't care. We're beating every team by twenty points, thirty points. That these bad teams, and even Washington, we beat by twelve points. So it, it's been an, a great start. I want to keep the momentum going into ACC play, and, and hopefully, we'll have an ACC play preview for you sometime in mid-January before the first UVA game. That's that's my goal. I haven't really talked to Robbie about this, but hopefully we'll do something uh, after the holidays. All right, back to football. <laughs> Multiple commitments on the D-line since our last podcast. We got Crawford, the Juco defensive tackle, uh, the defensive end slash linebacker, Barno. He's another Juco. We got the defensive tackle, Fuga, 
And we also got a preferred walk-on commitment from Max Philpot at defensive tackle as well. So you'll hear, you know, a lot of defensive line guys there, and that's good because we are in dire need of them. And that's something we're going to talk about with Matei as well. And without further ado, we're going to get into that interview right now. We are now welcoming in Matei Sis, 247sports.com writer and insider. Matei, thanks for coming on with us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on this podcast. It is early signing period. It's not signing day. This is a three-day period where the recruits can sign in December rather than waiting until February to to sign with the college of their choice. And we wanted to ask Matei some questions regarding the class since he's a little bit closer to the situation. And I just wanted to start with very basic. What were your thoughts on the class in general? Uh, it's sitting at 29th in the composite rankings and fourth in the ACC. Uh, was it good, bad, just okay? Did you like what they did by going after the JUCOs? What were your thoughts? Yeah, I thought they did a pretty good job this year. Obviously, there were a couple top targets that they missed out on, especially in the state of Virginia. You look at guys like Devin Ford, who are going up north to play for Penn State. Um, But I thought that this was a very well-rounded class. I thought they addressed some needs on the offensive line. And although it only happened in the last month, I thought they really addressed their needs uh, at defensive tackle. really happened in the last week, but... You know, I thought they did a good job of getting guys that not only will add to depth and and will come in as freshmen. And I know Fuente will say, you know, no spot is given, but a lot of these guys are super talented and I think they can contribute right away. And when you look at Virginia Tech finishing six and six uh, pending the bowl game, but you're looking at a team that needs help at a lot of positions. And, you know, I think they got a lot of quality at a lot of different positions. The real question I think we have, and then we're going to get into some of the details, some of the the players that um, I think interest us most and maybe some of the ones that interest you most is, you know, at a high level, 28th in the country, I think Virginia Tech, from a recruiting standpoint, the fan base kind of levels themselves out right around 20. Like, that's kind of their mark that they feel, you know, they can kind of pull um, do you think that's shared by the recruiting agencies in general in terms of what they should be at? I mean, obviously, it's a little bit higher. We're coming off a six and six season, but, you know, you kind of have a perennial uh, bowl team that uh, at least will get people visibility, not in the best location, maybe for those Miami, I would probably take over Blacksburg. But um, what are what are your thoughts there in terms of just the overall cl- class in terms of where you think Virginia Tech should should be on an annual basis? Yeah, I mean, last year they had the number 24 class and they're fifth in the ACC. I think a good standard for them is anywhere within the top 25. Obviously, this one's weighted down a little bit. They don't have as many commits as they did last year. And I think you have to factor that in that a lot of schools that sign bigger classes upwards of of 20 recruits will will, will tend to have a better ranking because of it. Um, whereas this class was mainly focused on getting a sizable class, but also improving the average recruit. And I think when you look at this year in particular, it's a little bit different than the first two classes that I believe were both over 24 enrollees or signees. Um, this one sitting at 19 today, but, but this one, uh, in particular, uh, has better top end talent. I believe I, I would go as far as saying that there are more four stars in this class than uh, four stars in the past two classes. 
So I think they've done a really good job at making sure that they're not only securing talent, but getting guys that are highly talented as well. Um, so this year, yeah, it's a little lower, um, but I would expect the class to jump to a, a top 25 ranking and number four in the ACC. I think that's the standard. Um, I don't know if Virginia Tech has as many resources as other schools to ever, you know, get into the top 20. I think it's a little tougher there. Um, certainly with an ACC uh, coastal championship, if they do get one in future years, I think you'll see recruiting uh, increase because of that, because of the brand, because of uh, the national exposure. Um, but like you said, it's the six and six team that, that secured a really good class. And I think, uh, you know, the future is bright for them. So we had five four stars in this class, and you kind of alluded to there being a good number and a bunch of high three stars as well. Which players are you most excited about in the class? Uh, I would have to start with Brian Hudson. Uh, this guy is someone that I'm surprised stuck with Virginia Tech the whole time. He was being recruited by Notre Dame. Kentucky had a big pull to him. Uh, there was a lot of schools that actually went in to go see him, but through and through he believed in the coach's messages and uh, stuck out with the Hokies. And I think he's a guy that not only is, is a physical freak playing both track and field and football and being excelling in both, but at the same time, I think he's a guy that will defy what the Virginia Tech offensive lineman uh, becomes because I think he's ready physically to compete at a very high level and, and possibly get meaningful reps uh, as a true freshman. And I think he'll be one of the strongest kids in the weight room once he enrolls. And he, he's a guy that really sticks out to me as, as someone that is a missing piece on the offensive line. Uh, another guy I'm very high on is Tavion Robinson. He's going to be a slot receiver at Virginia Tech. He was a quarterback in high school. This guy is just a playmaker. And I think one thing that, that's been missing from the Virginia Tech offense and especially under Fuente, is an elite slot receiver that can do a lot of different things. I think Ezekiah Grimsley is a, is a great all-around wide receiver right now, but I think in a couple of years when you see what Tavion Robinson can do, or at least what he's doing in, in high school right now, if he can translate that to the next level, I think he's truly going to be special. I want to go back to the O-line real quick. Vance Weiss has been doing work, and you, you mentioned Hudson that he brought in. But he also brought in Jesse Hansen and Pritchard. And last year, we brought in Culver, Tenuta, Harris, and Kane. And technically, the year before that was Darishaw and Zansi. So you've got three classes in a row now where he's really brought in a lot of talent at that position. But I wanted to know, between those the last two, because let's take Darishaw and Zansi off the table because they're already playing. Of the seven guys in those two classes, which class will have more starts at Virginia Tech? The Hudson... Hanson and Pritchard or the Culver Tenuta Harrison Kane class? You know, I'm very high on Tenuta. I think he's the future left tackle one day. Um, he's a physical freak again, very athletic for his size. Um, I think he's going to start there one day. And, you know, it's tough to say because Darisaw has done such a good job and you said Zanzi there. So, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of movement and there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to move throughout. But Brian Hudson, in my opinion, uh, you know, I think he's going to start out at tackle, but I believe he'll slide inside eventually. Hanson 
is another great guy that that has so much upside and Walker Culver, I mean, this is a guy that was between Ohio State, Auburn, and Virginia Tech and ended up at Virginia Tech. So, uh, And you look at the offensive linemen they produce at those two factories, and so you can only imagine what, what kind of recruit he is. So um, I, I'm personally excited to see all of them. I think they'll all be tremendous players. And, you know, that, that's, a, that's a tough job for Vance Weiss there that has to fit all those guys in. For sure. What about the guys running behind them? We bring in King and Gary. Gary obviously had the devastating injury late in the season. He broke his femur. Uh, both of their tape I liked more than any of the tape of the guys we currently have on campus. I mean, King is is an amazing talent. It does different things than Gary. Gary is more of a powerful, smaller back. Uh, what are your thoughts on the running backs, and do you think that King will contribute next year? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, when you were asking me of, of – the guys that you know I'm most impressed with, especially the four stars. I mean, I should have I should have started at King. Didn't want to take up too much of your time, but King is a guy that, as a true freshman, could even be the starter on on the offense. So you know he's he's such a good all around back, and uh, you know Miami was pushing for him, uh, Florida was pushing for him, but they were just a little too late that Virginia Tech really sold him uh, when they were on him and. You know, to, to miss out on a guy like Devin Ford and end up with a guy like Keyshawn King is, is truly a blessing for the Virginia Tech coaching staff. I think he's a tremendous playmaker. And as the offensive line gets better, the running game is certainly going to get better. And with a guy like King, you know, the sky's the limit. And I think that missing ingredient on the offense as well, uh, you can look at a couple of the skill positions that you would like to see improvement, but at the same time, it's always been centered around the running back, that there hasn't been as many explosive plays. And King is a guy, he's going to need to mature in the weight room, but at the same time, I think he's he could be a day one starter. Um, you know, I don't want to promise anything, but, uh, you know, King is, is truly a special talent, and, and I think he's going to compete right away. And there's something about Florida running backs that just do well. Staying on the offense – there's a bunch of wide receivers in this class. There was a bunch in the last class. We obviously have a freshman in Trey Turner who blew up this year. Are any of those wideouts going to flip to the defensive side of the ball? Uh, currently, I don't believe so. Uh, you know, they're still looking for a guy that can take the top over the defense, and I think Jin Paiute is that kind of guy. You know, he's a, blaze, he's a blazing 40. He ran two sub uh, four fours. Um, you look at a guy like Tavion Robinson, he's, he's pretty much slotted into the slot receiver, uh, Jacoby Pinckney, you know, they need someone to replace Kuma and then Elijah Bowick don't sleep on him, but you know, he gained 25 pounds and, and he's looking like an absolute machine out there. But, uh, in terms of those guys, those four that, that, uh, signed today, um, I don't anticipate any of them flipping to the defensive side. Okay. You mentioned defensive tackle earlier and how big a need it was. The coaches seem to put in a lot of work in the last month, like, like you talked about. A few pickups just last week, four guys in the class, as well as a preferred walk-on in Max Philpot. Of the defensive tackles, who do you think's – this is a tough question. Who do you think is going to have the best career at VT? And I, I kind of say career because clearly Crawford as a JUCO is going to contribute more early than potentially some of the other guys. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, if you're, if you're asking for who's going to make the immediate impact, you got to go with Deshaun Crawford. But in terms of overall career and resume, uh, I do believe it's going to be the lowest ranked recruit or signee, I should say, uh, Joshua Fuga. I think he's a guy that was undervalued, um, you know, even by us at 24-7 Sports. But uh, I believe, you know, he's, he, he has the size right now. He's 6'2", he's 303, he's ready to play. He was a Temple commit, but don't let that deter you. I, I think he, when you look at his film, He's really impressive. He's really violent. And, uh, you know, his pursuit is, is great. So um, I think, you know, I'm very high on him having a very, very good career at Virginia Tech. And, hey, I know it's tough. Again, in the trenches, it takes a while to develop, to physically mature. But he's a guy that, I mean, you look at the guys right now at Virginia Tech, and there's not too much in the two deep. I think he can potentially be a rotation guy as soon as next year obviously he has to learn he has to increase his technique and 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 get in the college weight room and make sure that all his weight is good weight but he's a guy that i believe out of all these guys and again mario kendricks i think is another really good guy can't sleep on him uh Narelle pollard uh we'll see if he if he stays at defensive tackle i know they they released that he came out of like 246 or something official weight which is a little low so he might slide to defensive end um but when i look at the guys in this class i definitely have to go with fuga i i like to hear you say that because fuga's tape was great uh just to me as a as just an average joe he looked awesome he's huge too and that's that's part of the reason i like him so much having a defensive tackle who's over 300 pounds already so we don't have to like put weight on him or anything he's just like ready to play I like that, and he seems super quick, too, for how big he is. Pollard, I would also agree, is probably going to play defensive end at some point. He looked like he was playing end in most of his high school tape anyway, so I I don't know, but he looks small in the picture of the in-home visit, uh, not nearly as big as some of the other guys we've recruited. So whether he's a defensive end or defensive tackle, we at least got a bunch of linemen that we can uh, get get in there next year because we are low on bodies for sure. I wanted to know who else are we pursuing because there's still another month and a half here, you know, because signing day, the actual final day to sign is in February, early February. Are we still going after Jaden Cunningham, for example, another Juco defensive tackle, or are we done with Juco's? We've already got three. Uh, Will we go after Doug Nestor still, the offensive lineman who was committed to Ohio State or still is committed to Ohio State, but is visiting places like Penn State and Georgia, and, and we're very uh, in the mix there too. So is there any anyone else we're going after? Yeah, absolutely. Those two names are top of the list right now, and I know today during the press conference, Justin Fuente was like, oh, I don't know, we'll evaluate that. You know, at the same time, you know, they still need help, I believe, and – it's not only, you know, a lot of these guys are great prospects that signed today, um, but at the same time, you have to foster an environment with competition. And I, I believe, you know, if they bring more help in, especially at defensive tackle and on the offensive line, you know, you mentioned it, Doug, Doug Nestor, he's one of the top prospects in the entire nation. Um, you know, he's, he's going to look into a couple official visits one time in February because he's playing basketball. Um, but, uh, he's a guy that's looking around right now. And I know Virginia tech was always sitting at number two. We'll see if it remains that way. If it will remain with Ohio state, but they will recruit him 
until February, until he signs a dotted line somewhere. Uh, he's a guy that has a spot no matter what. And he's a guy that honestly, I, I mean, you look at him and he's the difference between, he could be the difference between, you know, a, a stellar season and a average season. You need those types of recruits to really get to that next tier, um, you know, to get out of what they've been right now. So uh, he's definitely one. Jaden Cunningham, again, is, is a guy. And when you look at the defensive tackle positions in particular, I think the, a lot of the guys they got are more of their, you know, Woody Barons and Corey Marshalls. You know, they're not the biggest guys uh, outside of Fuga. And right now all you have is Jared Hewitt. So a guy like Jaden Cunningham, it, you know, he's built right now. He's like 320 pounds. Uh, he's a guy that can kind of take the nose roll. And, uh, you know, they still need competition there, I believe. Uh, I think they address, like, the defensive tackle position well. Um, but it would just give them more overall depth. And uh, Charlie Wiles will develop anyone. Um, but you give him more bodies and it'll, it'll yield the best players on the field. You're saying we need Tim Settle uh, to stay an extra year is basically. Uh... <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So this is related just because we're talking about bringing guys into the team. Trevon Hill tweeted out a video of himself. Uh, it's kind of dramatic and a little silly. He's like in the bleachers and he, there's music playing. And it, it, like I said, it's dramatic. At the end of it, it makes it look like he's kind of walking into Lane Stadium. And just because you're an insider, I have to ask, like, is there any chance Trevon Hill could come back to the team next year? Look, Trayvon Hill, he did a great job at Virginia Tech. The coaches will do anything for him. Um, but I wouldn't read too much into that video. Uh, he was just thanking Virginia Tech, and he's on to a new location next year. So I, w I don't want to get anyone's hopes up for this. Okay. okay. Uh, but he will not be coming back. <laughs> that's that's fine. I just wanted to just wanted to clear that up because I didn't know if that was a goodbye or uh, I'm going to try to come back to the – to this stadium, but well, I, th I think, you know, I don't know what his intentions were with that video, but it almost seemed like he was kind of leading people on, but uh, you know, he's a genuine guy. He has a good heart and, you know, I, I think he'll do big things in the future. Um, just not at Virginia tech. Got it. So thoughts on the bowl game and just, you can just give us a quick, uh, you know, do you think tech will win? Do you think we'll cover the spread? Cincinnati's a 10 and two team, no great wins, no bad losses. How do you think the game's going to play out? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough to assess because when you look at Cincinnati, they have an incredible defense and their offense has a stable of running backs, a good freshman quarterback. You know, they're a good all around team. I think on paper, they are like the most complete team that Virginia Tech has played outside of Notre Dame. Um, but at the same time, I'm just not convinced that with their schedule that they are what they are. Um, so I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a very close game. Um, you know, I can see why Cincinnati are favorites, you know, they're 10 and two, one team, six and six and, and had to pull tooth and nail just to make a bowl game. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's a lot of factors that it's close to home, uh, that there's going to be a lot of fans in attendance. Um, they're going to want to win for the few seniors they do have left. And, you know, I truly, I truly believe that this is a very winnable game. Um, you know, we'll see how this defense kind of progresses 
now that they're getting what over a month of, of preparation, uh, will they finally settle down? Will they stop those big plays? Uh, and, and then on the offense, you know, Ryan Willis is, is working, uh, even more time with some of the younger guys on the, on the offense. So, you know, will things finally click? I think every game I've watched this year, you're asking the question in your head, will this be a complete performance, which we haven't seen yet? I think if, if they play to their potential, certainly I believe that Virginia Tech can beat this team. Um, but Cincinnati will be a very tough out. Yeah, that's that sounds uh, that that concurs with some of the thoughts we have. We're gonna go after we hang up with you and do a full preview on the game. But what do you guys have going on over at two four seven leading up to signing day? Are you running any promotions? How can people get signed up? So if you type in VT Scoop into your browser, um, our page will pop up on twenty four seven Sports. We do have a promotion. I believe it ends at midnight tonight. So by the time this podcast is out. You guys probably won't have a chance to sign up for that. At the same time, it is only $10, $10 a month to read all the recruiting news about football, basketball, you name it. Uh, my partner, my other writer, uh, Evan G. Watkins, he's one of the best in the business. He always has the scoop whenever it comes out. Um, he's a good follow on Twitter at Evan G. Watkins 247. You can follow me on Twitter at Matej, M-A-T-E-J-S-247, and we'll keep you guys updated with team news, uh, football, basketball, and uh, I think our, our site does the best job of covering uh, recruiting news because that's what the platform was built off of. Yeah, uh, 247 seems to be the leader in that department now. Uh, since you're on the podcast, I'm not even going to name the other services that are out there. So go to 247sports.com for all the recruiting updates over the next month and a half. It it truly has the best information and uh, most comprehensive rankings out there. All right, Matei, thank you so much for coming on. We, Me and Robbie really do appreciate it. It's That was a lot of great information, man. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime you guys want to have me on, just let me know, and uh, let's do it again sometime. Sounds great, dude. All right. Thanks a lot, bud. All right. Thank you, guys. Well, I thought Matei was awesome. Robbie, why don't you tell me what you're drinking before we unpack it? Yeah, so I'm having the Sly Fox uh, IPA. It's delicious. It is, uh, well, Sly Fox, it's from Sly Fox Brewing Company. It's the Vulpulin, V-U-L-P-U-L-I-N, Vulpulin. IPA, um, and it's from Pennsylvania, somewhere in the middle of Pennsylvania is what I've kind of concluded. We we tried to look it up. You figured it out. And at the end of the day, all I care about, it has a, the pull-off top where the whole top comes off of it, and yeah, that's awesome. fantastic. <laughs> and in fact, it's a great beer, and I'm glad that you picked it out for me because I actually really like it. I think I like it more than you do. Yeah, I, th- I think you might. I, it's one of their newer IPAs uh, that came out with it last spring. It was like their new, you know, leading into summertime IPA. And I, I agreed it was good. And I think you might like it even more than me. I am drinking the 2SP Wawa Winter Reserve Coffee Stout. I put a picture of this on our Instagram last week. Wawa is a convenience store up this way. If you didn't know, there's a few in Virginia as well and spreading throughout the South now. And 2SP is a brewing company out of Aston, PA. They make awesome beer. 
And so Wawa was my first job in high school. That's where I worked. I made sandwiches. And then I also did the register. I was way better at the register. Uh, but it was my first job. So Wawa was always hold a special place in my heart. My sister does PR for Wawa now. And so as soon as this beer came out, I love 2SP. I love Wawa. I had to get it. And this coffee stout does not disappoint. Wawa coffee is like one of their main things. Everyone loves Wawa coffee. It smells exactly like it. It's very intense, but it's not overly alcoholic, which I love because some of these Java beers and stuff, they, they pump it with so much alcohol. It's it almost is harder to enjoy, but this is six and a half percent. Great coffee taste. You're not gonna you're not gonna be wanting for more coffee flavor in it, and it's just well balanced. And two SP did it again. I the Wawa Winter Reserve Coffee Stout. If you can get your hands on it, I would highly recommend it. Guess who has a Wawa going in uh, three blocks from here, down in here in the great uh, area of Northern Virginia, Vienna. We oh, have wow. a Wawa going in right down the street. Yeah, so it looks like we took over with your uh, <laughs> Delaware uh, staple. If anybody knows uh, what Wawa is, if you don't know, but people from basically north of Virginia, actually north of Maryland, I would say, will not shut up about <laughs> what a Wawa is. And I have one going down in the street. And and you're going to love it. You're going to love it. And the, the ultimate debate so is Wawa versus Sheets, you know, because everyone loves Sheets, too. And I love, no, first of all, I love Sheets. I'm the Sheets yeah. guy. I'm from Virginia. That's yeah. the whole point. Like, that's the debate. Sheets is like a, a, a Pittsburgh thing, too, right? Like, that, like, it's like the Philly is Wawa and Pittsburgh is the Sheets, and, like, that's the war. But anyway, yeah. uh, I love them both. And and whenever – I do MTO almost every time I drive to Blacksburg. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm familiar with Sheets. But Wawa was my first love, and that's because I worked there. But anyway, great beer. One question about the recruiting class, just to, to briefly touch on the stuff we went over with Matei. Someone asked us on Twitter. This was – I believe this question came from Rob Hahn. He said – would you trade a loss to UVA next year for a top 10 recruiting class? And to frame it for you, a top 10 recruiting class, let's not say one, because obviously I trade it for the number one recruiting class, <laughs> but it, say it's 10. 10 is what no, Penn State is no, right now. absolutely not. But let's actually take the question and expand it a little bit because it's an important question. So if you could have three top 10 recruiting classes, which is where you actually start to define the line of what it's going to actually mean for your future. So I'm augmenting your question and it's not out of rudeness, only out of the fact that I looked at the top 10 today and I was like, those teams are not going to be like in the one recruiting class does not make your future. So would you take three? I think is a good number that that means that that solidifies you into like having a chance of being the top four not even just in the expanded playoff that's about to happen, top eight. Um, so what are your thoughts there? Would well, you here's my thing. If, if I, and I thought about the same thing. Is it more than one? Is it just one? Uh, but then I was thinking, what is the point of beating UVA? The point of beating UVA is bragging rights. The point of UVA is recruiting. And if you're getting a top 10 class, then mission accomplished. So my whole thing was, I thought like maybe I need more than one for me to say yes. Uh, like the streak would go away. I love the streak, but like, I mean, the, like I said, the point of playing well and winning games is for our enjoyment. But 
one top 10 recruiting class. Let me tell you, Penn State has 16 four stars. That's 10th, okay? We have five. That's triple the amount of four stars we get in one year. So that is three recruiting classes for us. So uh, I'm saying, yes, I would lose to UVA if it meant 15 four stars. That's that, That's essentially what I'm saying. 15 four stars for one living losing. I mean, so it's 10 okay. more because we have five. So you're trading up 10 more four stars. I, I think yeah, I'm not being, um, first of all, I didn't know you were going to bring this up because I hadn't been looking at the questions. I've been at work and stuff. So I think this could, uh, we could do a side pa- podcast on this we could, because yeah. I think there's a lot because here's where there's my mind goes to a lot of different places here that are not healthy for uh, trying to condense a podcast down to what matters to Virginia Tech football. And a lot of those things mean, what do the four stars mean? What do the rankings mean? What (laughs) spreading it over time, whether it matters to be consecutive, whether if you have one good class, does that couple into another good class, whether it has a ripple effect, whether there's a lot of things there. So, um, that is a, a very good question. It is a great question. Thank you, Rob, for, I, for sending that over. I would still choose, um, in that case, I don't care about the UVA game as much as everybody else does, so I would still I would choose the recruiting class. Uh, like, yeah. I mean, I'd... <laughs> We're on the same side. Well, let's, uh, let's put a pin in that, because maybe if we want to discuss it another time, that'd be good. But let's get into Cincinnati, because I do want to – do our listeners justice and talk about the last game of the season, which we earned uh, by playing our best football for the last two weeks and inspired football, really, because in some ways the Marshall game mirrors what the Cincinnati team is going to put on the field. They've got an okay offense, but they've got a very good defense. And if you remember the Marshall defense in the S and P plus and, you know, yards per play and all that stuff, it was very highly rated. It was something that me and you were both worried about. And then we just killed them in the first half and the game was basically over. I don't know if Marshall really wanted to play the game. I don't really know. You can question their motivation a little bit, maybe, but this Cincinnati team has the 19th ranked defense in S and P plus, and they finished the season 10 and two. And we mentioned in our last podcast that, Their best win was against Ohio by four. Their second best win was against USF by 12. And their third was probably Tulane by 16, all at home. None of those are blowing your hair back. I mean, Ohio's eight and four, and that's their best win. And UVA beat Ohio pretty good this year. Then their losses were UCF and Temple. So no bad losses either, but... You know, they, and they're they, in the, they they're in the toughest at their level. They're in the toughest conference that you can be in. I mean, for the level that they're at by far. I mean, they're the, yeah, that that division of the AAC probably is like the in the group of five, the best division. And just so we're all clear, people, a large standing amount of the national media still agree that not taking UCF and Cincinnati into the big 12 was the stupidest thing that they ever did. Um, when they were still trying to figure out whether they were going to expand or not. And the two teams that they agreed a wholeheartedly that should have been in were Cincinnati and, and UCF. And now they're looking like they were hundred percent right when they said that. So, you know, yeah, I know since Cincinnati is a borderline, team on where they should be and where they are today just the same way that you know UCF is uh so that's Luke Fickle has done a very nice job as their head coach that was 
the same guy who was an interim coach when Trestle got fired for Ohio State. He's kind of an Ohio guy, and he's building Cincinnati up. And it's kind of funny. We say they're in this the best division outside of the Power Five, and their best win was someone from the MAC. <laughs> so they didn't even they didn't beat any of the actual good teams that they played from their division. They lost at Temple and UCF. So yeah. I mean, Tulane's okay. USF is okay, but um, n- n- you know, it's hard to measure this team. And and that's the ten and two is like, oh shit, they're ten and two. We were six and six. Like they're gonna they're probably gonna beat us, but. I don't know. Like I'm looking at their offense. They've got a freshman quarterback who played well, not overly well. His TD to interception ratio is phenomenal. It's 19 to five. And he added another five touchdowns rushing, but his QBR is only 54.8. That's 20 points lower than Ryan Willis, who we know wasn't perfect. So I think there's some things our defense could, could do to, to rattle this freshman quarterback, even though it's his, 13th game of the season. I, I think we could play them tough. I am worried about their running game. They, they've got a thousand yard rusher in Michael Warren. He's 5'11, 218, very prototypical size for a running back, 5.2 average yards per carry, 17 touchdowns. Are you seeing what I'm seeing in, in terms of what you're afraid of? Yeah. When I looked at this team, it was he was very talented, very smart with the ball, doesn't make bad mistakes. And he doesn't have a whole lot to throw to. He has a couple wide receivers that are very good. His tight ends are exceptional. And our secondary is shit. So it, basically, when I just looked at everything, I thought it was actually kind of a wash a little bit, except for the the, the short the, like passing game outside of like the, their tight ends are not going to be going out for long passes. So for me, I bounced it a little bit, and I thought it was a little bit of a wash in how well he protects the football, how well he kind of spreads the offense, causes problems for the defense, how bad our defensive backs have been generally. I know that's a bad generalization. And I I thought that it would all iron out to a wash in my mind. In, you may have different in terms of In terms of like what they're going to do, like the quality of each side of the ball, no, just in the pass game for them. And just like the full out pass game in terms of what they have and talent, all of those things. I, I had it as a relative wash, knowing that our defensive backs have been struggling mightily, but they got an extra 30 days. Wide receivers are not going to yeah. improve all of a sudden over like 30 days. You don't just become a better wide receiver. You generally have your routes down and you know what you're going to do. You're either athletic or you're not. So that's where I was falling on that. Front. So then you would agree that the the running game poses a little bit more of a threat, particularly with how we've defended it at times. No, they're going to destroy us. Yes, <laughs> that's where I, that's where I was. I just wanted to say that I, I have zero concerns about the the pass game. The running game gives me considerable heartburn, and not so much that. First of all, their their starting running back is a backup to somebody that was supposed to be starting, but they have a lot of depth. They're going to be throwing out a lot of people. I think they're going to try and just kind of mix things up and, um, you know, cause us some heartache on that front. So yeah, yes, they got the hundred percent right. They got the two freshman running backs, Thomas and McClellan, behind their lead running back Warren. So you're right; they do have depth there. Uh, the pass catchers, as you mentioned, they're they're fine. Uh, some of them came on late, such as Lewis. Uh, he had nine touchdowns in the year, but uh, he had some big games, like 300 and 
almost 400 of his yards came in just two games. And one of those games was ECU. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I'm not worried about what they're going to do in the air. I'm worried about the running game. And I would say that since Ricky Walker has been back like and and really himself cuz his ankle or whatever he wasn't right for a lot of this year you could kind of see it but UVA he was right and Marshall he was right and it makes a gigantic difference in the quality of the line play and just stuffing the run in general so i am hoping that this is the 74th ranked offense in S&P plus that's something we can defend no our defense isn't perfect we're going to give up points but i think with Ricky healthy and the young guys having a full season and a few weeks to absorb what they've learned and play better that we're going to be able to hold them to a reasonable amount of points, maybe like 20, 17, 23, something like that. And that means our Uh, offense is going to have to show up realistically, just in like a normal game scenario without this much time to prepare that they could be held to, you know, 21 points or something like that. I think in this game, what's actually going to happen is they're going to score 10. Oh, okay. That's, that's with, I think that there's been enough improvement in games that actually matter in terms of the effort on the field and all those things that I, I would suspect their scoring. I haven't talked about our scoring that, that, that I think Bud could come out and produce that kind of, situation with more i mean think of how much time he's had to coach up a lot of young young players and, and their uh, two worst performances and two losses were on the road and this is virtually a road game for them i mean this mm-hmm. is this is gonna be essentially a home game for virginia tech it's in annapolis so close to dc where tons and tons of hokies are the game sold out for us in you know a day so it it's going to be a very pro Virginia Tech crowd and that works best for the defense. So I'm I'm confident that they can play a solid game. Let's move over to their defense. Uh, this is obviously the better side of the ball for them. We said it's 19th in S&P, 11th in yards per play, 7th in scoring D nationally, 3rd against the rush in S&P plus, 9th in front 7 havoc and number 1 nationally in opposing completion percentage. <laughs> That doesn't paint a pretty picture. <laughs> yeah, and I was going through who they've played and their schedule, and it's just tough to try and piece all this together. But it is good by all measures. Whether you want to do like a strength measure, if you want to go, I think Bill does. Uh, Bill C does uh, like a strength measure kind of situation, but that's usually team versus team. Like, what's how good is this team versus this team? I don't know if he does it for like how good your offense is against their defense and what their that defense's ranking was, but I assure you that um, they're very good on the defensive side of the and ball. And it's different from Marshall because wasn't Marshall seventh in S and P plus going into our game against them? Yeah, they were. They're in Conference USA, and 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 I don't want to disrespect Conference USA too much, but the AAC is it's a bump up and it's a better conference. There's a lot better competition who they're going up against there are like six teams that'll end up playing power five teams very well in bowl games out of that conference every year so it is not even like 
the good of like the group of five. It is the elite. I of mean, the ECU group of five is one far. of the worst AAC teams, and they beat UNC this year. You know, we we've lost to to AAC teams plenty. So what I was just trying to say there is that. Yeah. Uh, we might have read too much into the Marshall ranking, but I think this one's a little bit more accurate. And this, the the S and P Plus is telling us this is a top twenty defense. I'm I'm inclined to believe it uh, based on the other numbers I'm seeing. The one thing that is a bit of a weakness is they're not great uh, with in the sack department or in the tackles for loss department. Their their um their havoc rate really comes from like fumbles and pass breakups and random stuff like that. It's not from tackles for loss. Their D line is stout. It's, it it won't necessarily get you in the backfield, but you're not going to get a ton of yards against them. They have three senior defensive linemen, two senior defensive tackles. Cortez Broughton has 45 tackles as a DT. That's a lot for playing in the middle of the field. He has 16 and a half tackles for loss by far leads the team. That's the majority of where, where they're coming from. Five and a half sacks, five pass breakups, five hurries, and a forced fumble. Fitz, Copeland, also excellent players. It's a like I said, it's a it's a very stout D line. Uh, I'm not super worried about anyone but Broughton in terms of sack potential. Um, there there are other guys who might get a sack, but he's the one that's disruptive. He's the one that we're gonna have to double team. I think at times, and we're gonna have to run outside because. The, in, the inside is just not going to be available against this team. Yeah, and it's a it's going to be tough because I don't know their their back end's pretty it's pretty well built as well. If you look at what's happening in the safety position with Wiggins and he was all um, conference, yeah, yeah, all conference. Well, fifty one tackles, three picks, eight passes defended, five pass breakups, and a forced fumble. Yeah, I, I think we would take one of those uh, at, at a safety position for us. Um, Derek Forrest, I think, is a pretty good safety as well, but not great. But their corners are also pretty pretty talented. Now it's been spotty, I think, production for them. But and then their linebackers are also like really like the defense is really hard to like poke holes in. What, quite frankly. Yeah. What what I noticed from their numbers and stuff is that this is a tremendously well balanced, well tackling team. <laughs> I didn't say that right, but yeah. they tackle really well, and it's not just one guy getting all the tackles like Tremaine Edmonds, and you know it's it's every guy on the team has forty tackles, and so they're all like in the right position. They're all doing their job, and they're all bringing the guys down. They're not just going for the big hits and stuff. It's it's a sound defensive team, something you'd expect from a guy like Luke Fickle. Uh, and what you would want yeah. in defense. That's what you don't want to see one guy making all the plays because that's when things break down. I mean, it's it's a very well-balanced and really pretty-looking defense, as much as you can say that about a defense that you don't want to face. Yeah, and when I said you want to stay away from the middle in the run game, so that th- makes you think, okay, well, then let's do this jet sweep. That's one of our key plays. That's what we do all the time. But their linebackers get sideline to sideline. They they like they move to the football. They'll bring you down. Like I don't know. We're gonna have to expose the secondary. It's it's weaker according to the S and P plus is is them against the pass. I think a lot of that Hezekiah Grimsley in the middle of the field, uh, Dalton Keene type plays. That's where we're gonna start. And and then maybe we'll move to the outside with Turner and Hazelton. I'm hoping Hazelton is fully healthy and back for this game. It would be a major boost for the team. We need people who can win one-on-one matchups against good corners, and Hazelton is one of those guys. 
So I think it's going to be how much can Willis expose the secondary? Because I think whether it's inside, outside, the run game is going to be tough to come by. It, it, we're going to have to do it, and and Peoples is still going to have to run the ball. McLeese is still going to have to run the ball because he needs to be balanced. And we are best when we're getting something from the running backs. But I think the damage is going to be done in the middle of the field in the passing game. Yeah, if I had to run through it, I would go with the run running back position. The, the people's running power, like like hardcore power, like if he can do that, then that's going to be beneficial for us. Because I don't know if you're seeing that down in in the conference in the games that they've been actually playing in. So that that's probably our best bet. They have been seeing a lot of speed, which is usually how you make out for you know not having maybe the most talented players on the in wide receiver position, I don't know what we're going to see because I don't know if Hazleton's going to be out there and what we're going to see from him. I knew, I know Trey Turner is going to be great, but they're also playing into the best, one of the best, the safeties and one of the best players in the field for them. So offensively, this is going to be extremely interesting for Virginia Tech. And defensively, I think we have an advantage um, there. I, I, I honestly do. I, I hope you're right on that one, man. I, 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 I kind of agree with you, but I'm still a little bit more on the fence. Let's do a beer break before we give our final thoughts. So, Pete, what are you drinking over there? I am drinking the Saranac Caramel Porter. Saranac is out of New York. I think it's Utica. And this Caramel Porter tastes exactly like it sounds. There's a heavy dose of caramel flavor in this puppy. And if you've got a bit of a sweet tooth, it would be perfect for you. It's... Definitely on the dessert beer side of things, uh, which you know I, I'm not afraid of. I'll always go in that direction with the sweetness. Uh, you might be on the, the other side of the spectrum sometimes when it comes to that stuff. But 5.4% alcohol and a lot of caramel flavor. Saranac makes good beer. They're, they're not – I don't see it as much as I see other breweries when I'm out at the store. But it's been around longer than a lot of other breweries. And this Caramel Porter is pretty tasty if you're looking for a sweeter kind of beer. Uh, maybe for your mom or your girlfriend. I know I know my mom, mother's a big fan of like the Southern tier beers, you know, those like real sweet dessert beers. So she would probably love this. But in any case, it's very good. The Saranac Caramel Porter. Robbie, what are you drinking? So I'm having the Bell's Expedition Stout, which I was surprised we haven't had on here yet. It's I've maybe gone through 56 packs of this uh, during uh, since the weather has dropped uh, to colder weather. My wife loves it because she loves stouts. So uh, it's a Russian Imperial Stout. They have it at Whole Foods down the street from me. Everybody knows Bell's. Uh, hopefully by this point, if you listen to the podcast, they're out of uh, Michigan. And... It's just, it's fantastic. It's, it's a little bit like I can have an IPA or double IPA or something a little bit more, um, citrusy. And then I can have this and it's like taking a Tums. Like, you know, you just have a Tums and like the, the, it just base just like wipes it out and it's (laughs) all the acidity just kind of calms down. Uh, I like it a lot. So, uh, the bells expedition stout, it's a little pricey. I will say that it's for a six pack. It's like 18 bucks or something like that. And, um, uh, at whole foods, which is, that's a little rough, but it's well worth it because it's delicious. Three stouts and just one IPA for us tonight. That's pretty good. 
I go full stout during the winter now. I all I drink is stout. I barely have any IPAs downstairs. And I just got back from the. I just picked up a bunch of bombers from Hardywood that, that are all yeah, stouts. Yeah, you tweeted out uh, that and put it on our Instagram. You were down there just doing a, a quick in and out, picking up that uh, that Christmas package. <laughs> yes, yes. It's like nine. I haven't even opened ten bombers. I'll I'll send the tweet out afterwards. But it's like ten bombers. I got the Christmas Kentucky everything. Awesome. Um, that, that is fantastic. All right, let's let's pick this game. The line is five and a half. That's what I saw today. Cincinnati is the favorite in Annapolis in the military bowl. What do you think, Robbie? Who do you got? The Marshall game taught me, you know, um, <laughs> it's one of those things that the Marshall, I, I obviously ate a shoe and, uh, no, ate I think crow, you, didn't you take I, yeah. tech? I can't remember. I did, but I didn't expect it to be that much of like, I oh, mean, that was yeah. a dismantling. That's my point. I think this team's starting to get it to not, not together. I don't mean to be disparaging like that, but I think they have figured out what they want to be and it's starting to come together and they have some confidence behind them and going into this game, high powered Cincinnati offenses, would be scary to me just knowing that their history has been dismantling us going deep. This is a different type of Cincinnati team than we would normally see, right? This is a defensive Cincinnati team. That's not usually their MO. They've usually had to be a little bit more high powered. And I think that bodes well for us in terms of a slog it out game. That means a lot with a good crowd and being local. So I'm going to go with, uh, Virginia Tech. I don't even know what the spread is, but I'll go. It's outright. five and a half. That's yeah, five and a half. Virginia Tech. Cincinnati's the favorite. Yeah. Oh wait, no. Then I'll take I'll take Virginia Tech just to win outright. Oh okay, okay. I like that. And you said that there's potential with the crowd behind them and an inspired, seasoned defensive performance that we could hold them to the low teens and maybe even ten points. That. That, that could happen. I mean, bowl games are so hard to predict. You never know what the motivation for either team is coming in. For Tech, it should be that we've got 25 winning seasons on the line. Not only 25 bowl games, 25 winning seasons above 500. And if we lose, we'll be 6-7 and seven and break that streak. Now, we've managed to keep two other streaks alive. I'm hoping we can do the third. I'm definitely taking Tech to cover because I think this game is going to be close. I don't know if I would feel as confident saying that Tech's going to win outright. I like our chances. Uh, every national article I've read does not. <laughs> no no one likes our chances to win this game. Um, but I, I, I like us to cover at the very least. I think it will be close. And as we said in our last podcast, I do think Cornelson and the offensive staff has done a better job at playing to the strengths of their players and most notably their quarterback. So... If we can do that and continue to do that, I think we definitely can win. Um, holding them to that low of points is going to be tough. I, I would think if it's going to be a tech win, it'd be somewhere in the neighborhood of like 24-20 or you know, maybe 21-17, something like that. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I realize I'm being aggressive, but you know, I usually don't put out hot takes, but I have a feeling with, I feel days good. Rest. I do feel good about no, how we'll perform. With 30 days rest, I think that you're going to see a different team, especially in the secondary. I mean, what, what, okay, then just answer one question we can sign off. 
What was the biggest problem with Virginia Tech football this year? The secondary. Period. Right. And you give them 30 days to get additional coaching and to figure out what they're doing. And you can't say any of those individuals are not talented. So all I'm saying is that our biggest weakness has a tendency to also become our biggest strength with a little bit more time for people to get their feet underneath them and play in a system that is very, very difficult. You look up anything on a Bud Foster defense and playing secondary for him is not easy. And why do you think that we put in more defensive backs and safeties and everything else into the NFL than any other position? It's because they're forced to be in really, really awkward positions and they have to learn how to play it very, very well. That's not like a, just like a random happening. It's just, it's because you get trained over and over again. And when you do that with a bunch of young players with injuries, with suspensions and things like that, but now you give a little bit of time for people to learn. I'm just saying, I think it could solve one of our biggest problems. I hope in, so. I hope so, man. Um, cause we, we definitely, you're right. That, that was our weakest, uh, our weakest point on the field was the secondary this year and the injuries and dismissals we took at the line, yeah, the defensive line, that, that definitely was probably number two. And, you know, both are starting to get a little healthier because we got Watts back one week, then we got Ricky back in full health, you know. So hopefully the time off will give guys time to heal their wounds too and that we'll see a healthier Virginia Tech product on the field when it comes to uh, New Year's Eve. And Just- I hope... But most of all, those guys just have fun because this game doesn't mean shit. Just so everybody's <laughs> really, clear, no. it's it means a lot of fun for all of us. It does mean a so three-game winning streak going into the off season, which would be nice. All right, now it doesn't. It, uh, here we go. <laughs> uh, here's where we disagree. This game doesn't mean anything. Okay. So, but it means signing a lot day's over, the, really, more or less. Too. <laughs> it, it means for it means a lot for the young guys trying to get experience, and it means a lot for the players that have poured their heart out, and it means a lot of. It means a lot of things. It just doesn't mean a lot in terms of like next year. I don't want to hear about what happened in the bowl game against Cincinnati because it has no relevance. Okay, quick before we go, who's winning the playoff? The whole thing. Who's who's winning it? Who's winning it all? National championship. Uh, Clemson by far. I did actually pick Clemson in my bowl pick. I think once they beat Notre Dame and get to Alabama, which I think that Notre Dame Clemson game could be fun and dicey for a little while, but I think Clemson will outlast them. I mean, the line is 13. Uh, once they get to Alabama, who's probably going to beat Oklahoma, that's a 14 point line. Uh, I like Clemson's chances to beat Alabama. I, and especially with Tua in question. Yeah. I, I, I feel there's, you know, it, when remember when Michigan State got into the playoff and like you saw the lines come out and you're like, well, Michigan State's kind of a good team, and then they got dismantled, <laughs> yeah. right? And Ohio State got to the playoff. Actually, I disagreed with that one, but they got in and they got lost thirty-five to zero, uh, in which is actually difficult to do. But in any case, I feel like Clemson is going to win this out and I don't know why because really everybody should be choosing Alabama if you were a betting person all this season they probably beat the spread I don't know you know 10 out of 12 times I would guess and but I feel like Clemson's gonna do something and Dabo has something that um will beat out the Saban Satan effect I I hope so I mean it'd be good for the ACC if Clemson was able to win another title in uh you know recent years but 
it's not going to be easy. I, were you saying that the projection on the line for the final would be eight and a half to Alabama? I heard the, when I listened to a lot of Sirius XM and when the Lions first came out, they weren't that far off from what you were saying. And I haven't paid a ton of pen, attention to them. But then they also project the game after yeah. like like if the teams play each other. And I thought it was eight or eight and a half. It was it was something that like literally startled me when I, I heard it. So in my mind, I'd probably take Clemson there just to lose. I, I would take Clemson to lose by a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. Just lose by a touchdown. I mean, to think about that. If it, And I'm not saying it's that high. You have to look it up and see what it is. But I'll go place money on uh, Clemson losing by a touchdown in that game. They have a great team as well. Yeah. It's it's going to be a fun playoff. I, I even think that Oklahoma, Alabama, like that could be – more fun than a 14-point line would indicate. I think Kyler Murray is sensational. He won the Heisman. Uh, it could be could be an awesome game. They could potentially – Bama doesn't see offenses like that a whole lot. So it's – both playoff games have upset potential, but they would definitely be upsets based on these spreads. I think Oklahoma is going to be like keeping in contention in the first half because Alabama has never seen anything like Kyler Murray. And guess what? None of us have. I mean, he won the Heisman, and he's he's not the funny, like, kind of Johnny Manziel. Like, he's just, like, really good. Like, just yeah. very, like, attack-driven. So it'll make for a good first half, and I think Alabama's going to do what they always do and suffocate in the second half, which kind of sucks because, you know, Kyler Murray's a story that is even hard to tell of what he's kind of accomplished already and what he will. Okay, I think that's going to do it. We rambled on probably too long tonight, but we wanted to bring that interview to you guys. We knew it would be great, and, and Matei didn't disappoint, and we needed to get the ball preview in. So sorry for going a little long, but we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the season. We will be back after the bowl game to recap what happened, maybe talk a little hoops, uh, and then potentially the ACC preview uh, for basketball after that and sometime in January. But – Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Make sure to subscribe. Apple Podcast, 2DVT.com is our website. 2DVT at gmail.com is where you can email us and at 2DVT on Twitter and on Instagram to reach out, uh, respond, talk to us, whatever. And until next time, go Hokies.